Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John and that's Ian. Hey, what is going on everybody? Today is February 1st, 2017. How is this it? Is episode... How is it yeah, February it, already? I don't know. My birthday was Sunday. It felt weird. <laughs> I played D&D for my birthday and I'm currently fighting a cult leader and I'm at three health. Nice. It's not going well. Oof. Anyway, this is episode 48. It is. We're unpacking PTA, Ether Revolt, Magic Online, and coverage because we've had a few big articles and a big event on the horizon come out in the, in the, in the near, near us, and so we're going to be talking pretty much all about that this week. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they just decided to just drop a ton of info on us this week, and we're going to Some be... of it good, some of it bad, but most of it good. Yeah, we'll be discussing and breaking down our personal opinions obviously, on all of this stuff, so. Yep. Uh, first up, we turn our eyes to the community, as we usually do. Uh, this past weekend, we had two Grand Prix, one of which was streamed, and the uh, GP Prague champ was uh, Yusuf Kamal Vefa, which I probably butchered that name. Uh, but we believe this is the first Turkish uh, player to win a GP. Yeah, uh, I know in the stream chat, everyone was going wild uh, <laughs> from, uh, I guess, the Turkish magic community. Uh, and, I mean... It's great. It's always great to get more uh, countries in the winner's circle. Oh, yeah. Definitely making sure that America is not the top team. Well, not the top country. <laughs> Dude, we haven't been I the mean, top we, country in a while. When's the last time we won the Worlds? <laughs> Europe? When have we won the war? When... Dude, Europe's been, like, like, kicking our butt for a while now. It's true. Anyways, uh, also this weekend is the Pro Tour, uh, which starts February 3rd at 4 a.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. Pacific. Yeah, so that's gonna, I hope you're a night owl. That's gonna be or wake up early. That's gonna be painful. Uh, fortunately, though, you can at least like kind of build in like a four to five hour buffer there if you want to watch some uh, standard. <laughs> or you wait until like the stream's probably gonna be over about five p.m. and then you just you know watch it from dinner. Hey man, I gotta mod the channel. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your sweet your sleep schedule is gonna get fun. Oh, you know it. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, today was the final story for the Ether Revolt story before they start Amonkhet up in March. And you'll be like, that's a lot of weeks. Uh, but they are starting a weekly MTG Creative podcast hosted by Blake Rasmussen, uh, where he's going to talk with different people on Magic Creative about the creative process, about making the worlds, about making the characters and writing the stories, which I think is going to tie everyone nicely over until the Amonkhet story starts in March, I believe. Oh, yeah, I know a bunch of fellow... Uh Magic Vorthos people out there, in terms of love and the flavor, are really excited about this uh, new change and actually new addition to everything. Also, if you haven't read the stories for Aether Revolt, killed it. This week was kind of the wrap-up of the story, because they actually finished last week the final battle. Um, this was kind of like the aftermath of it, and it's a bunch of a series of vignettes uh, written oh, by they're all, fantastic. all of the writers and very exquisitely done, and definitely check it out. Because it is basically the gear up into why the Oath of the Gatewatch, is, or the Gatewatch, I should say, Oath of the Gatewatch is set, why the Gatewatch is going to Amonkhet. So, yeah, we're going to have to have carry on at some point in the near future so we can go back over the whole Kaladesh story and kind of tie it up in a neat little bow. Oh, yeah, they're, they're great for that. Oh, yes. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the big articles and the big event upcoming at the end of the week. Uh, first up is an article which there was a small PR thing on where Blake said it was being published a certain week and then it wasn't and then it didn't get published for a while. But it got published this week, which is the State of Magic Online. Um, they do this every year. They kind of talk about 
how Magic Online's done in the past year and what they're looking forward to in this year. And um, looking back, they were very happy with how certain things worked out. And granted, we, the players, had some um, disagreements with how they how they introduced certain aspects of Magic Online. Yeah, uh, one of the main things they touched on was like, hey, we had our You Make the Cube contest, which I think was great. I hope they bring back other kind of cube contests in the future. Uh, it was definitely... I felt a success. I never actually played the cube, but from what I heard, it was kind of an interesting twist on things it's kind of really hard to build a good cube so to kind of reach out to the community and say hey what do you got what do you guys like to play frankly i'd love to see a popper cube draft sometime i'm sure that i'm it's only a matter of time before a popper cube actually gets put on magic i mean they can just use use stibs cube for like bam there you go because that man maybe he's been curating it for so long so i mean he's definitely probably worked out kinks in it but uh they definitely touched on the whole changes to the mocks and the introduction of the treasure chests, which they said it was been well. Re- yeah. They said it was well received, but uh, sorry, it actually the the newer tweaks have definitely been better received. But originally, it was definitely maligned in its initial form because you couldn't actually like like you just got them and the prize. Uh, distribution was a little off, and I don't think you could trade them, and it was just weird. Yeah, uh, the big, the one big success was definitely the leagues. Like that's just the best thing that's happened this entire year, as far as Magic's concerned, in my opinion. Oh, slam dunk! It was the leagues. Like I actually, for instance, just this past weekend, I was just you know bored, hanging out with Lindsay, and I was like, hey, I just want to do a draft. So we got in there, drafted, but I didn't have time to actually play the games. So then I played, or I played one right afterwards and saved another one for another night and then finished my last up one today. I went 2-1. I drafted green-white with splash for black for whiny constrictor and it was like just worried about energy counters and plus one, plus one counters. And when the deck cooked off, it was ridiculous. But the fact that I was able to draft on Sunday, play on Monday, and finish on Wednesday is great. I fit oh, yeah. it into my schedule, did it on, like played one of my games on a lunch break. It was, it was great. Uh definitely excited to see what they how they continue to tweak and augment leagues going forward yeah uh and then they also mentioned how they had to do some behind the scenes work like making colos mana work in oath of the gate watch and um apparently they have made changes to help them react quickly to any issues or bugs that may come up because let's be real in a in a game that is as large as magic with as many interactions as magic has bugs are going to happen it's not a question of if it is a question of when oh especially due to the fact that this game has so many layers upon layers of rule interactions and every time a new card comes out with a new kind of twist on a previous rule mechanic it could break coding for an older card which we see all the time in cubes and flashback drafts where all of a sudden like this card literally does nothing because the coding behind it was wonky like for instance something you we noticed for a little while when we were when people would play with the card uh getaxian probe is that it actually used the coding templating or behind the scenes, like how you would do it for cabal therapy, just to to look (laughs) at people's hands. Cause it would like, it would have an alert, like saying like no card, uh, name card, not found, but it would still let you look at their Mm. hand. Cause like it skipped the step of name a card, then look at the hand. It was weird, but I actually that, talked. That, actually that's talked like to one of the people, total programmers. Well, yeah, I talked to one of the people who actually works on Magic Online about some of the stuff right after Oath of the Gatewatch came out, and she said that basically 
they had one person that they just took off of the development team and said, colorless mana, go. You're building it. And one person <laughs> built the colorless mana system in Magic Online. That was their sole job for like, as soon as they knew that that was going to be a thing, they put that person on it. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy that they say that they've actually like tweaked the system so they can actually don't have to have such drastic things. I mean, I'm assuming yeah. as soon as they saw colorless mana, they're like, okay, we have energy coming up. <laughs> good luck so yeah like as as someone who has done a modicum of programming you do whatever you can to make it work sometimes oh yeah spaghetti it just oh yeah make it work and pray but they are also looking ahead to the coming year 2017 biggest now grant oh you go well they can't tell us much yet but they can tell us a little bit. And the biggest thing that people have been clamoring for for ages, and they actually did a better job with Aether Revolt, is when we can play the set on Magic Online. Before, you'd have to like wait until like it was actually fully released in paper, and then you did a pre-release event online, and then it was released in- online. And it was like three weeks. It was really weird. Three weeks after the paper release, by the time you could actually really start playing online with the cards, it was like, right during the pro tour weekend like the weekend of the pro tour was basically when you could start playing the set online and it was really wonky however this year starting monday april 24th that is the literal first day after the weekend of the pre-releases so the pre-releases are the 21st 22nd and 23rd so it's friday saturday sunday that monday you can play magic online events with With amaket it's perfect which is which is huge it's huge because Usually, it felt like Magic Online was kind of the redheaded stepchild, where I got everything after Paper Magic. And now, we have this where, okay, you finish your pre-releases, that's great. You still want to play? You can get on Magic Online and play right now. Yeah, uh, but the cool thing about this is that, well, actually, not really a cool thing, but one thing to note is this, the products themselves will not be on, on sale in the store until the release simultaneously with Paper that Friday. So... You can get Amonkhet product like packs and stuff like that and cards, but you will only get them through tickets and draft points or play points, I think, to start because you won't be able to actually purchase the product. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll still open it up where it's like if you have three packs of Amonkhet and two tickets, you can draft. But Well, correct. Yeah. yeah. No, because they mentioned in it, furthermore, Amonkhet products will be on sale in the Magic Online store simultaneously with paper release on Friday, April 28th. So. Which is just them trying to get people to buy tickets. Correct. But it really is. This is for not just Amaket, but every future release. Yeah, which is going to be fantastic. So um, so new magic earlier is better and also give people more chance to play with the cards. Uh, the only downside, this is the only downside I can think of, is it might make limited testing for the Pro Tour happen quicker. Which is better for which is a net positive for the pros, but it could be a net negative for Wizards. I don't think it will be. That's like... The smallest negative, but for everything else, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, it's definitely one thing that the Pro Tour competitors have been clamoring for because usually they've had to just have a ton of paper product and just crack it all. But now yeah. they can. this is a lot cleaner, I guess you could say, quote-unquote, in terms of uh, yeah. getting their cards. One thing to note is they're also adding league support for formats such as Vintage coming up, which is great. Which is going to be fun. I mean, I don't have Vintage, but I know people will probably... Vintage dailies are basically like the main way to play, and the uh, Power Nine challenges. But this is actually going to be a nice little, you know, boost. Probably a shot in the arm. The only, the the only question might be is whether how quickly you'll get a match and how many people will join it. But yeah, that's that'll be a thing. That is, 
as for a future future what future wizards to worry about. I would really hope though that since, if they're going to start pushing the vintage format in terms of leagues, they could maybe run another vintage uh, masters draft thing again. Uh, that would definitely help. That would definitely. And the help. best part is since, since uh, it's digital, they can just be like, I guess during the summertime we're just going to run a vintage masters draft event between sets. Yeah, they really can. Like, or they can make an, or they can make vintage masters too. But that's. We'll see how that goes because Vintage Masters did have its problems, well, if I recall correctly. Yeah, but, but every every draft that has its problems. Well, yeah, exactly. But this is one of those situations where instead of maybe in lieu of a summer cube, they can just bring back Vintage Masters or something like that or of some sort. Just uh, also Wizard or also Magic Digital is uh, wanting to improve the non-game experience, like making Magic Online more stable and impr- improving the trade dialogues, which could be a little bit of a a little bit of a problem. Managing your collection um, online is a massive headache, and I'm glad they're finally really taking is. steps uh, to do that. Yeah. However, and one other thing is, too, apparently there is a Magic Online Championship starting on March 3rd. So we're going to see the people who have qualified through the Mox Championship Series on those qualifiers and such compete. 16 of them battling out for their share of $100,000. Uh, they say look for a preview article soon, so it should probably come in the next like week or two for that. Probably, yeah. Definitely after the PT. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, second to last thing that they did is they had a small uh, statement from the head of Wizards' new digital game studio, uh, Jeffrey Steffel. Stiefel? Stiefel? I'll say Stiefel, um, who has spent a lot of time working for other companies. Um, he's worked on worlds such as J.R.R. Tolkien, DC Comics, Monty Python, and Disney. Um, Disney being kind of like the big name there. Um, and uh, he along he kind of made a statement alongside Chris Cox's statement, which we talked about last week. And that was it was kind of uh, uplifting to see at least what his view of what they're going to try to do is. It's very short. The question though. is very short. It's very short. It's three paragraphs. Yeah. And, and then the, the uh, final thing in our thing was a farewell, fond farewell to everyone's favorite blame candidate, Worth Wolpert, who is, left the team just last week, I believe it was. Like la- no longer than two weeks ago. Yeah. So no longer can you blame Worth. But you can still technically blame Worth. <laughs> they do encourage you to blame Worth one more time for Amonkhet. Yeah. So uh, they also put links. I mean, to... blame Jeffrey doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah, they put links on the bottom of this. Marvin's going to put the article there, but on the bottom of it, they have their feedback email, uh, the Magic Online Twitter account, the uh, Chris Carrots, MTG Lee for Lee Sharp, and Truly Ali M for Ali Medwin. Uh, they are going. They're the people who you get to blame now. I guess I don't know. Yeah, bl- blame Ellie? No. Uh, blame Chris? Blame Lee. Sure. <laughs> I mean, most people blame Lee anyways, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, but they're all great people. Uh, I've actually met two of the three of that yep. group, and they are great people. So, but one thing that we didn't kind of mention here is Magic Digital Next. Yeah. Everyone, the saw, only this, thing that... everyone saw this article and was like, so where's the MDN? Where is it? And then it got so bad that Elaine Chase had to send out a tweet saying, um, we are going to be sticking with Magic Online for the foreseeable future. Yeah, because recently in the community there's been kind of uncertainty about the future of Magic Online collections. In fact, uh, another podcast just, I think, released an episode today or yesterday talking about how one of their people just sold out of their collection of over $7,000 worth of Magic Online cards because they didn't have faith in the product anymore. Uh, frankly, we've been getting, oh, Magic Digital Next is going to be great. It's a great direction the 
we're taking the game online, it's like, we don't know anything. People are really worried about it. And to be fair, they're well justified in that. Um, I mean, I think most people would like to take a screenshot at least. Like, just a screenshot. Like, what does it look like right now? Like, yeah, just give us, like, a basic UI or even, you know, give us some details about the functionality if there's going to be any between Magic Online and Magic Digital Next. The main thing people are worried about is they've sunk years and years and years and years and years of money into this product of Magic Online. And if there's no way to transfer card collections or anything else like that over to the new product, you've literally just blown all of this stuff on digital objects and that it's kind of one of the risks you take with magic online of course um like the nickname the original nickname for magic online was moto magic online with digital objects having a digital object is kind of like paper in that we imply it a intrinsic value in terms of i need this card scarcity supply and demand whatever you want to call it however if there's no longer support there, it loses all of its intrinsic value, which means the demand drops, which means who get, cares about the supply, market crashes, people freak out. It's It would literally be like a stock market crash for Magic Online. And there are tons of people who have invested heavily into the product. Uh, I think yeah. I've checked my collection. It's a couple hundred dollars, a couple, like a couple thousand, I think, because of modern deck or two, but nothing crazy. But I would still be. Yeah, I'm not, still not like seven k. I'm still very concerned because I have Infect, Delver, and Legacy Infect, and it's a decent chunk of change I've put dumped into the product. I would at least hope that if you know it, you can't transfer it directly over, that you get some sort of credit or you know. I'm pretty sure that the community would is is basically going to be transfer my collection or riot. Oh yeah, obviously it's gonna be transfer. Right. Like even if even if Wizards basically said, "Look, we'll give you like the exact credits number or whatever it is for those cards um, in Magic Digital next," that people will still be upset. Well, yeah, because you would have to reacquire all your cards. <laughs> you could have yeah. all the play point value from or whatever currency they use next into cards, but if the supply is not there, then yeah. everything gets the biggest- skewed. Yeah, well, the biggest mistake that they can make is to try to make magic into, like, a Hearthstone or an Eternal, which it's not. Um, in terms of the magic, crafting system? Magic, no, not in terms of drafting, no, in terms crafting. of in terms of crafting, because they, yeah. they can't. Yeah. They just can't. It's um, They're in a very weird spot where, like, they have a very gr- good game, but can't follow in the footsteps of the other heavyweights in the digital card space right now, because those are pure yeah. digital cards, not... We have to somehow split both worlds that's that said i fully feel the community's apprehension is warranted we just need information like okay it's gonna be fine either way i'll still play (laughs) and that's kind of what they're banking (laughs) magic's magic that's what they're gonna be banking on um, it's an easy way to play so yeah anyways moving on to the next big article which was uh released on uh today actually is Magic Twitch and You the full 2017 video coverage picture, which is something that people will forget. So whenever you forget what's being streamed, come back here and find it. Because if you complain about your GP not being on stream, they put the whole schedule up at the beginning of the year, granted, you know, right before the PT, so you can find out what's being streamed. Yeah, and what's what's what I've personally found kind of funny is that this was released obviously today, February 1st, 
but it's talking like, here's the event types of our expanded schedule. And it mentioned Super Sunday Series Championship. And I'm like, guys, that was a month ago. <laughs> Come on. It also mentions uh, 32 GPs being streamed, but only but we've already had two of them, so we have 30 left, which is still fine. Yeah, and it actually yeah, it only actually had a Grand Prix Prague on the list for the streaming, but uh, no, they had GP Louisville, or no, no, they didn't. Not have on, not on the streaming schedule. For that. Well, no, yeah, GP Prague, uh, Louis, you know, Louisville wasn't streamed. Correct. They had, and San Jose wasn't streamed. Correct. So, so we're all good. Yeah. Um, this is something that actually is fleshing out what they kind of mentioned, I believe it was Chris Cox mentioned, and or some articles towards the end of 2016 where, you know, we're going to have a new partnership with Twitch and all that kind of stuff. And obviously you hear a partnership with Twitch and you're like, oh yeah, it was last November they announced the partnership with Twitch, but they've only, they're only just now rolling it out. And obviously a Twitch partnership means you can subscribe to their channel. Oh yeah. So now you can get a little sub badge, which is going to be the Planeswalker symbol. A uh, new thing on Twitch recently is, um, depending on the length that you've subbed with someone, you get different badges. So uh, your one-month subs get a common badge. Uh, at three months, it becomes the uncommon silver badge. At six months, it becomes the gold rare badge. And at 12 months, it becomes the burnt orange of the mythic badge. <laughs> one thing I find funny is the common one at black. I personally use chatty, and or even if you use better Twitch TV or some other things, you can set it to nighttime or dark mode. Where and you're never going to see it. Yeah, you're never going to see the symbol. Until, never going to see it. Until you hit three months, because it's going to be black on black, and it's just... Uh, but uh, currently, they're, they have six. Their initial six. Obviously, I'm sure they have many more in the queue. I would hope they have, they have many more, more in the down queue. down the line. In the queue, I should say. Um, I guarantee that for PT Amonkhet, they're going to have a emote of the PT Amonkhet, or of the Amonkhet set symbol. Well... The yeah, I would say that by then. But the thing with the subs is obviously, if you're not familiar with Twitch, we'll just cover it briefly. Is the more subscribers you have for your channel, the more emotes that unlock. Um, I know Kenji has like and these are channel like, channel specific emotes. Kenji has like twelve or sixteen. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, so obviously they start with six, and after it's like two hundred, you get your next two, and then a couple more. Technically, you're not supposed to quote unquote talk about it, but you know people are like yeah, we're like this many away from our next set of emotes but so i think twitch cares more about like sheer number as opposed to like yeah how many we're like x away from a, well yeah some people yeah. some people more recently have been saying like we have this many subs we need this many to get to the next goal and i'm like all right cool we got it so anyway their current six are oath of liliana you have which is it's interesting pick yeah uh fibblefoot i that's gonna be used a lot everyone's favorite homunculus you have braids yeah crazy braids yeah uh braids cabal minion um I'm curious to see where this one's going to pop up. Yeah, we have Enthralling Victor, or, you know, I have somehow an ungodly amount of abs. It's just his head looking all... If, if you yeah, if you haven't experienced Enthralling Victor from M15, oh, man, that entire hype season was just great. The dude is just, like, he's just got long, flowing hair, and he's got a grizzled beard, and he's looking like, yeah, I got this. And, and he has, like, 12 abs. He has, like, 12 abs. Uh, the next one is a goblin that is on the art further down from Enthralling Victor, and it's just like this guy was like, ooh, like hand over the mouth. I have a feeling it's going to be there for like uh, something bad happening. People are like, oh, oh, I don't know. And then the weirdest one is the Amoeboid Changeling, which is just like some. Yeah, just the Amoeboid Changeling face. It's just like, burp. It's just like, what's up? <laughs> um, apparently, they're saying they've just been using it like their own internal like Slack chats and stuff like that. It's just literally just been like Amoeboid Changeling spam. 
Uh, it's gonna. I, be I love the parenthetical. Frankly, I'm surprised that group still communicates with words at all anymore. Yeah, it's. It'll be a thing. Uh, so, it will be debuting this weekend. Uh, be- yeah, I believe this week. Yeah, effective this week. Yep. So this weekend during the Pro Tour, get your initial subs in if you're interested. Remember, it's five dollars. Also, thing to remember. If you have Amazon Prime, you get a free Twitch subscription every month. Yeah. So if you don't subscribe to any other channels, you can just pop five bucks at Magic. Well, for free. Yeah, for free. Like, not even like on top of anything. You just, you just, it's just Amazon giving more money to Twitch. Yeah, it's just because, it's, spoiler alert, Amazon owns Twitch. Yeah. So in case you didn't cool know. Cool little bonus uh, for that. So another thing they actually mentioned alongside of this stuff is that they're developing cool ways to give subscribers more benefits. Uh, they're having some subscriber mode only uh, Twitch Q and A's with uh, Magic R and D. They'll be doing that. There are some new interactions with Twitch in terms of subs and followers of the channel. Like there's a followers only mode now on Twitch, mm. so that just got released a couple weeks ago as well. Cool, cool. So something they do that. But they're also going to try and increase game engage, engagement during Pro Tour coverage like interactive features and stuff. So we'll see where they go with this. It sounds like they're finally, finally stepping up their uh, game when it comes to the Twitch integration side of things. Uh, so what do you think, John? Yeah. I mean, I think this is mostly net positive. Uh, I don't. I haven't decided if I'm going to be uh, subbing to, Twi- to uh, Magic on Twitch just yet. Um, I mean, the emotes are a nice touch and all. I mean, hell, half of my uh, subs are for emotes alone. Um, but... I think that uh, this is definitely a step in the right direction. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how they're going to do these sub mode only like Q and A's. Like they said, they're going to they're look for them to debut during like Amonkhet preview season for like Q and A's with members of R and D. I'm interested to see what they're going to do as far as like Pro Tour coverage because are they going to like have an? In- I don't think they're going to like interrupt a match or anything, but I bet they'll be like, okay, guys, we're going to do a we're going to go sub only for the next ten minutes. Get your questions in for a Reed Duke or in for a. Uh, Randy Bueller or someone like kind of like there's uh, the couch chats they always have with the uh, the competitors they might be able to actually talk like you know have a Q&A session like hey these are some people from the chat who are watching they watched your match what were they thinking about this during the match they want to know this or even in st- or something that I think that's going to be more likely to happen is going to be a l- more along the lines of we're in round 15 we're watching a certain match and then oh um, so-and-so is going to take over the Wizards account uh, ask them any questions that you might have. Yeah, kind of those little things, which will be interesting to see how it plays out. Me, personally, I'm probably going to use my uh, Amazon Prime sub for it. Like, I rotate that around with a couple other random streams. So I might just throw, start throwing it magic uh, yep. or just build in my budget to just auto-sub for another channel. Also, one thing to reminder for the Amazon Prime thing that we just mentioned, it does not automatically roll over. You have to actively re-engage your subscription every month. So just another heads up for that. Yep. But and then moving on to well, the actual actually, events. Well, my, one more thought oh. I have on it, though, is this is obvious. So we know Chris Cox has definitely come in on the digital side of things. We've been seeing a lot more push on the digital front. We kind of mentioned this just a couple minutes ago. This just smacks of the fact that they got all this new uh, higher-ups saying, like, pushing hard for digital content because that's where it is nowadays i am happy that it's happening now i just wish it had happened like three years ago they've really kind of dropped the ball in the past on this like i know some of my twitch subs for some of my other channels like three years plus at this point uh for some of my long-term channels like loading ready run uh 
SG Doc and a couple of the other guys like that. I've been subbing for years with those guys. Magic could have easily just had a sub and not even been pushing hard for it and just getting extra revenue in. Uh, I'm interested. I don't really know how they're going to do it, but I'm curious to see what the, if they would even mention what their plans to do with the extra Twitch sub revenue because for every $5 that you get for a regular subscription off of it, they get 250 I think Amazon uh, Prime. I, I know well, that I certain streamers... Certain streamers can, like, adjust that number. Yeah. Like, baseline, the streamer gets half of it. Yeah, um, also, Twitch Prime subs actually give the streamer more of that money uh, because it's coming directly from Amazon slash Twitch itself. So they don't have to worry about as much overhead in terms of PayPal cut kind of thing. Right. I, I just really wish it was there earlier. But, I mean, I'm kind of complaining about the past at this point. It's here now. Good. Yeah, let's let's move on from here. So now they have they're they're talking about forty at least forty magic events streamed in twenty seventeen, up from twenty two in twenty sixteen, which felt really low and because it was it was so incredibly bare bones last year. Like their weekends is like I want to watch them. There's nothing on. Yeah. In any case, there are four pro tours: the Magic World Championship in October, the World Magic Cup, uh, the thirty two Grand Prix. They're covering. Uh, 31 as of this recording, uh, the Magic Online Championship, and the previously streamed Super Sunday Series Championship. So how does all this break down? Well, there's a full schedule on the link, or in the link of the doobly-doo, or in the description down below, or on wherever it is on your... <laughs> on your pop. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so we have the full sched, and here is your GP's breakdown for what you're getting covered. There are going to be 15 standard GP's, Nine limited GPs, including one team limited, two team unified modern GPs, four modern GPs, and one legacy GP currently on the coverage slate. Yeah. Um, one thing they do oh. mention that um, they mention that there's two asterisks because they only mentioned the legacy and modern Grand Prix in GP Vegas, and they have an asterisk mentioning that video coverage of GP Vegas will focus on the legacy and modern events, but will also include some coverage of the limited Grand Prix running June 16th to 17th. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, obviously, so remember the GP Grand Prix Las Vegas coverage, or how it operates is 15th and 16th are legacy, the 16th and 17th are the limited, and then the 17th and 18th are modern. So it the limited is the overlap days, and obviously people are going to want to see the finals of legacy and the early rounds of modern and Limited is great to watch. However, it's also not the funnest thing to watch. It is not the most popular. No, uh, because it's really hard to... And One thing I actually hope they do with Limited is people have suggested, you know, kind of create a running thread with uh, a deck. Like if you have some uh, high-level drafters, really really hone in towards the end of day one if the people who are, you know, doing really well in their draft, maybe follow them into day two and like show their, you know, their like, you know, the over-the-shoulder kind of drafting video. Uh, as they pick, and then follow them through the, the that particular po- pool or pod, and then switch to another person for the next uh, set of rounds on day two. Hopefully, they, if they do something like that, I think that'd be really kind of cool to create some story threads. That's true, but then you'll get people who complained, like, I think it was at Project Kaladesh, uh, Kai Bude and John Finkel were both playing at like the four, like the the three and th- the four and three bracket, and it wasn't on camera. And people got upset because the Finkel Kai matchup wasn't on camera. Oh well, yeah, well that's something you could probably you know, boot, <laughs> you know, 
picking your picking who <laughs> picking feature matches has to be hard. Yeah, it has to be cool. And uh, and remember, some of the pro tour, th- even the Grand Prix things, are a little rough too. Uh, in terms of like all of a sudden you get this like superstar matchup and like oh well they're on like table sixty and we didn't highlight it just correct correctly. But remember they did change the pro tour rules about how that kind of thing goes in terms of you know the feature match area. So we'll yeah. see how they handle that kind of thing. Frankly. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be in chat as much as I yep. possibly can, given my schedule and when and where they are, because there are quite a few European Grand Prix that will yeah. make scheduling uh, just, quite awkward. So, just for everyone to who's looking for the future for the for the rest of the month, here are the events that are being streamed. The Pro Tour is this weekend. Uh, the 11th and 12th is GP Pittsburgh, which is standard. Uh, the 18th and 19th is GP Vancouver, which is modern. And then the 25th and 26th is GP Utrecht, which is standard. Yep. And like we mentioned, there's going to be two team unified one modern, which one is in April. The other one is all the way down in December. The team limited events are going to be occurring in June and September. Well, September slash October because mm-hmm. it straddles the months there. Oh, I forgot there are two team limited. Yeah. I, I missed yep. that. GP Lyon and GP Providence. Yep. Well, in Cleveland is uh, in June. Oh, there's three? Man, yeah. I miss I missed well, Grand Prix, no, Grand Prix <laughs> Cleveland is... Oh, yeah, is Lyon one, too? No, I don't see that. Yeah, there's GP Lyon and GP Providence are also oh, team yeah, limited. down in... And I, Grand, I, Grand Prix Lyon is in uh, November, by the way. So, it's... Yeah. I bust up hard. <laughs> no worries, dude. Don't worry about it. Like, it's a long list of stuff. Um, it is. But, yeah. For instance, Pro Tour Hour of Devastation is going to be in Kyoto. That's going to be a crazy schedule, because it's Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. my sleep schedule, um, especially if I'm trying to moderate it. Ugh. Uh, but I mean, I, I hope you like waking up at 4 a.m. Dude, it's in Japan. It'll be like dinner time when it starts. Oh, that's probably true. I haven't looked up that you, time. Usually, that's recently. usually that's I, usually the Pacific ones are like dinner time stream start, and it goes through like when you'd be sleeping. Yeah. In any case, like let's move on. Time zones. Yay. Yeah. Time zone <laughs> math. I had to do that a lot. I had to um, do it, Shh, dude. Let me tell you what. Oh, that's true. Because you were in you were in, <laughs> Af- you, were, you were in Afghanistan. <laughs> and Afghanistan is one of those weird places that has a half hour time difference on top of everything. Ugh. Yeah, so it could be like noon in. Oh God, where is it? It's thirteen and a half hour time difference between Pacific and Afghanistan, I believe. Ugh. So it could be noon in Afghanistan and like one thirty a.m pacific time jeez yeah like i was getting i thought i was getting rough like (laughs) it was it was to the point where i could i would be eating breakfast monday morning and watching sunday night football live jeez it was kind of cool actually and i I thought watching like football at 8 a.m was rough no yeah it was like it was like i'd sit down for breakfast and be eating breakfast in a little dining hall area and we'd have like the afn armed forces network broadcasting the live feed of the Sunday night football game. I was like, this is mind-blowing and weird. But Uh, on to this weekend. This weekend we have the Pro Tour. Uh, It's in Dublin, Ireland. Um, And as we mentioned earlier, it starts at 4 a.m. Eastern time on the 3rd, which is going to be fantastic for everybody, obviously. Yeah, so reminder, that is Friday morning. (laughs) I double checked. I will probably be missing a good portion of day one because work. Um, most most of the U.S. will be missing day one because of work. Yeah, 
And so we'll probably be there. I'll probably be around mostly in chat on Saturday if you fellow listeners uh, want to give a hello to us in chat, please do. But it's going to be pretty good, usual schedule. You know, three rounds of draft and five rounds of standard for day one. And then everybody who's four and four or better on day one gets to make day two. Yep. So the X4 is the rule. You'll see people tweeting about if you follow pros on Twitter and other social media forums, they'll be talking about their oh, I'm X2, I'm X3. And also a thing to remember, there are no buys. Yeah, this is this isn't something where it's just like, oh man, I'm a platinum pro, I get three buys. Man, I can I can relax. No, that everybody you're playing is good at magic. You get you and, get no sleep um, in you get no sleep in bonus. Yeah, you don't get in, you don't you don't get the sleep in special and uh, everybody you're playing is good. Uh, so good luck. And with again, that. and don't be they too. Don't be like my friend Doug, who slept through the his day one draft. Ooh, rough. <laughs> he he did have a winning record in standard, though he went three and two in standard. Nice. But uh, <laughs> but that that doesn't make day yeah. Two. And obviously day two again, we'll start off with three rounds of draft and five rounds of standard, and then the top eight will be selected at the end of the day on Saturday, and they will come back on Sunday to compete f- to see who wins. And the reason with the wh- new top eight bracket that they introduced at at Proto Kaladesh, which I think went really well. Yeah. Uh, now remember what they try and do with the new schedule is they want to maximize the amount of the top eight that you watch. So you will watch every single round. Well, uh, uh, I'm trying to uh, semifinals on. Yeah. So they, they do two, the first two rounds simultaneously. They do two quarterfinals simultaneously. And then they go. Then they do the semis after after lunch break or something like that, or. In any case, yeah. this, it's it's the latter schedule. So uh, five plays eight, six plays seven, and then they advance in that order. And then because if you're three and four, you get one buy. If you're one or two, you get two buys. It really so, and they did this again to kind of help alleviate. We talked about this many episodes ago when they first announced it. They did this to help alleviate the handshaking your way into a top eight through draws and trying to figure out your draw math and okay. How many of yeah, these now people, your like, wins mean something? Yeah, you have now, to. now your wins mean you are tangibly closer to the finals. Yes, so. which is great. Uh, there's not a lot of big uh, stories going in quite yet. Um, for standard, the big concerns right now are uh, the copycat decks with with Sahili and Felidar Guardian, either of the three or four color varieties, um, and green black, which are kind of being the top two decks right now. But we did kind of see this before Pro Tour Kaladesh where red-white was pretty dominant and then it was good, but it wasn't as dominant as we thought it was going to be. Yeah, the main thing to look out for here is the uh, Sahili copycat decks because they were f- they basically finished top four was just straight copycat at the last SGG event last weekend. And there was a, there was yeah, a, there we'll was a smattering of green black in there but it was it's basically coming down to you're playing copycat or you're playing green black there are some red blue x kind of controlish decks that aren't that are eschewing the whole combo win but like we mentioned copycat is essentially like that old splinter twin thing you just play a uh, jeskai control deck and have an oops i win combo in there so yeah uh the other big thing to come out of the pro tour uh we could talk about limited a little bit, but limited is a little harder to develop, like the sto- the deck storylines. Um, but the big thing that's happening limited, is this is the start. Limited is sweet though. Oh, limited's fun. It's still it's still a fun format. Like it's not Kaladesh. Like I don't think this form. I do not like this format more than Kaladesh yet. Um, and I think I'll still like Triple Kaladesh more than Ether Revolt Kaladesh. But this is still a fun format. Yeah. Anyways, 
the big thing is that this is the start of the Pro Tour Team Series. And we have uh, 32 teams that, are, that have submitted rosters to be represented in the 2016-2017 Pro Tour Team Series. Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting Check flicking through the list. We're going to have the full list down there because we obviously cannot talk about the insane amount of players. Because remember, each one of these teams has six players on it, and there's 32 teams. You do the math. Yeah. Put it on well, you, I mean, math, I love some names. Like, there's, <laughs> there's almost finished, which is uh, the members of Team Finland. Uh, with the addition of uh, Ansi Alkio, who was one of, who was the top eight, who was in the top eight of PT Born of the Gods, um, and then we have channel, we have the two Channel Fireball teams of Channel Fireball Fire and Channel Fireball Ice. Um, if you want, we if can you want to do... set your prop bets, set your prop bets on how many times the announcers are going to screw up Channel Fireball Fire. And cha- yeah, to be so for clarification, Channel Fireball Fire is Pat Cox, Matthew Nass, Martin Yuza, Josh Utter-Layton, Corey Burkhart, and Paul Cheon. Um, Channel Fireball Ice is Paolo Vitor Damodarosa, Mike Sigris, Joel Larson, Ben Stark, Andre Straski, and Eric Froelich. Yeah. So the and they all and those two both have fantastic intro videos. Yeah, oh yeah, the Fire Team is mostly like their Pro Tour Top Eight experience uh, things, veteran up and coming players. Uh, the Fireball Ice is basically their Pro Tour Hall of Fame and pro tour champion roster i mean it's yeah. a murderer's row of things there uh one of probably i would say the best name is conflagrease i was just looking at that right now conflagrease it's the greek team and it is <laughs> let me just just go check out the players i don't want to i don't want to butcher any of these names Panagotis i Papadopoulos, I... bill chronopolis Dimitris triantophilo i don't even <laughs> petros zizotis Macus matsuokas Nicholas Caponis. It's yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of O's and a lot of S's, and uh, then we've got apparently they're actually uh, the pretty Dex good teams. We we have Dex Army and Dex Third, which are the two uh, Dex, or I think there there might be more Dex teams, but I think those are the two main yeah, ones. Um, one thing to note is the former Channel Fireball Pantheon has been rebranded. Uh, they are now being oh yes, I, where was their yeah, name? They're being sponsored by D three Go, and you're like, who is D three Go? Well, they make Magic Puzzle Quest. So one of the teams yeah. is D three Go. That's Ben Rubin, Tom Martell, Matthew Costa, Yager Vigersma, Shahar Shenhar, and Brock Parker. The other one is like the actual Magic. Uh, it is the Puzzle Quest yes, team. Team Puzzle Quest of Reed Duke, Owen Turtenwald, Huey Jensen, John Finkel, Andrew Cunio, and Paul Rita. Yeah, so your Peach Garden Oath plus. Johnny Magic and Andrew Cunio. That's going to yep. be a, one heck of a team. Uh, you've got Genesis, which is one of the splits off of Eureka, which is also here. But the Genesis team has more of the names you might be familiar with. Uh, it's got Brad Nelson, Lucas Blahan, Seth Manfield, Michael Majors, Martin Dang, and Martin Mueller. The other side, the Eureka team, mm-hmm. still kind of there, but it's more of just the European players. They picked up Patrick Dickman, which I think heck of a mm-hmm. pickup there for them. Uh, the Dex teams we should also mention are mostly the Latin American players, uh, which I think is kind of cool. Yep. So uh, Willie Adele uh, and his gang of all the Dex, arm, uh, Dex protection team players is kind of great there to see all that come together. Um, team East-West Bowl has split into three teams, uh, two of which are sponsored by Mass Drop. So you've got Mass Drop East and Mass Drop West. And then they also have a final part, which is the uh, Mox Box Bowl, which is a... Uh, tongue twister if i ever oh, heard yeah. one. heck of a name 
And then uh, one of my other favorite plays on words, they have Team MTG Mint card and Team MTG Bent card. <laughs> I loved the Bent card one. Yeah, I had to bring that one up. Um, so the Mint card is going to be your, you know, your Asia-Pacific players, your Li Shitian, Jason Chung, Huang Xiaoshan, Kelvin Chu, Eduardo Sajlik, and Namsung Wook. I recognize a few of those names in there. But the other, yep. the Bent card is more of their, like, you know, their friends who they've, co- were roped into MTG Mint card over the years, but, like, it's a lot, mostly European and uh, American players. So you got like Andrea Mangucci and Kristen Calcano and Corey Baumeister on that team as well. Yeah. Uh, and again, we could go through all the other teams, but, man, but I mean. Some of these Japanese teams, though. Oh, boy. Oh, man, so good. Oh, man. Like, uh, uh, Mu- I also Musashi love... is, we just got to mention this one. It's like, it's a murderer's oh, the Musashi yeah, team? Yeah, Musashi. Yeah. Kentaro Yamamoto, Yuyu Watanabe, Ken Yukihiro, Yuki Ichikawa, Teruyu Kakume and Shota Yasuoka, like, good lord. <laughs> yeah, that's a good team. Like, just looking at this team thing, like, uh, the hype is real behind this. Like, I'm getting yeah. excited. Even, like, or when it, like that's not even counting the fact, like, some of these other things. Haruya has their team, obviously, the Tomohar- uh, headlined by Tomoharu Saito, who's the captain and owner of Haruya yeah. Games. Uh, but they also have, like, Jeremy Dizani on that team and some other European players. It's... Canada has their... Uh, there's Last Samurai of Kenji Samura, Tsuyoshi Fujita, Masashi Oiso, uh, Makihito Mihara, Kazuyuki Takamura, and Ryoichi Tamada. And Canada's... Which are also all very good Canadi- very Canadians good are probably going to be pulling for face-to-face games. You know, the Alexander Haynes, Sam Party, Steve Rubin, y- Jacob Wilson, Yvonne Flock, and Oliver Tew. I mean... Yep. It's, it's such a great twist on all of this stuff. Yeah. And uh, my favorite little play on a team name is there's a team opportunity, uh, which is Pierre Dejean, Magnus Lanto, Gabriel Nassif, and a few others. Um, and opportunity, for those of you who know, is the team is the card of that's uh, six mana draw for, and it and uh, team opportunity has players from four different European countries. <laughs> nice, which I thought was which I thought was yeah. Cute. We can't even like the top level podcast of uh, Patrick Chapin and Michael J. Flores have a team that's essentially kind of like the uh, cast-off. Obviously, there's no uh, Team Ultra Pro, so a lot of the big names from Team Ultra Pro are on top level. Uh, BBD, yeah. Craig Wesco, Pat Chapin. So, over- There's also no TCG player teams because BBD's writing for them now as well. So Yeah, well, I think that's going to be one of the things they might spool it up. I think this is going to be an interesting first year for this. Obviously, the, the teams are incredible. Um, oh, I didn't even notice Team Mutiny of David Ochoa, Josh, Joshua Cho, Jerry Thompson, Justin Cohen, Matthew Sever, and Sam Black. Yeah. <laughs> so, and what's really uh, like, kind of, looking at these teams, they're stacked. What's really kind of, what's stacked. Really kind of cool is there's a team called Team NorCal. Like, they are just a collection of RPTQ winners and Grand Prix top finishers that are just like, hey, we got our invite. Let's do it. And that's so cool. Like, we've been mentioning all these other huge teams with, like, these major names from the game. But you've got this team of guys who want RPTQs that are like, yo, let's team up and do this. I think that's just... We are, we are all from the same region. We need to stick together. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, I guess it's the evolution of where we're seeing those old old school testing team houses where it was just like, yo, it was, you know, the small kind of teams. And then it became the super teams. Then it became the testing houses. And now it's finally, like... Now that we put the series in, it's like, all right, break, step, separate yourselves, guys. You're fighting each other now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, watching the uh, the Team East West Bowl house and team like that whole house trying to interact, I was like, there are so many people in this house. It's hard to actually like 
get see how you guys get anything done. Yeah, just looking, um, just like some of the panthers of when they're on the deck. There's like 20 people on the deck, and I'm like, there's four people playing, but there's like 18 people watching over their shoulder. I'm like, just go, like smaller teams. I know you're getting a, a huge amount of information, and it's helped because some of those larger team houses have really paid dividends. There's got to be diminishing returns on that, though. Like, I'm yeah. sure I'm not sure what the number is, but there definitely there is. has to be a point where you're just like. We literally can't handle anymore. Um, oh, one also thing I want to note too is coming over from Star City Games Tour, the SDG Tour, Card Hoarder brought a team. Yeah. So that's I like the fact that you know they're popping on up from the uh, not really I'm gonna call it the amateur circuit, but the uh, the independent circuit. Yeah. We'll call it yeah, independent circuit. <laughs> the independent circuit is probably more. No, correct. yeah, it's independent. Um, but one thing that I just realized. Is oh no, I did find Brad Nelson. I thought I didn't. I thought his name wasn't on the Brad list. Narson. No, uh, so remember no, he's he's on Team Genesis. Remember this go around in particular is they're competing for the share of two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's going to ramp up over the years uh, when they're doing that. The teams with the top two scores at the end of 2016-2017 season, which concludes a Pro Tour out of devastation in Kyoto in July. So that's basically going to be. This one and the next one, and or so it's this one. Three, Amaket, the next three yeah, this one, Amaket, our devastation. Those the teams with the top two scores will be invited to compete in the team finals, which will be at the World Championship in Boston in October. And then for future years, it'll be the top four teams, if I recall. Correct. Correctly. Yeah, this is kind of like the the test year. Well, not even, yeah, it's definitely the test year. It's the the proof of concept, yeah, the beta test. I'm hyped, man. Like. This put a whole, like, before we were talking about, you know, I know in our previews before for the Pro Tour, we would talk like, oh, yeah, I like this player, this kind of deck. We've had these massive things, talk about huge testing teams. And I'm just like, you know what, man, this Pro Tour series thing is going to be so great. It's, I, I'm very interested to see how they're going to handle coverage-wise, kind of tying it all nicely with a bow with what we talked about earlier, how they're going to actually handle, okay, did we embed I'm curious if they embedded some people in some of these uh, teams' houses or wherever they're testing, um, what kind of features we're going to get on the teams, if they'll do any kind of little things. I was kind of actually hoping for more, like, pictures and team logos, but apparently one thing that these teams have had to do is they have to have a uniform. Yeah, I'm surprised that the CFB uniform has not already been put up for sale on CFB. They would make so much money putting it up there. It's like I know that Loading Ready Run had to like mock some up when they did their uh their episode joking about the PT for PT gate or PT Dragon's Maze. But I mean, yeah. The channel if the you're channel listening fireball to CFB, ones, sell those the channel now. fireball ones look good. We've I the only other ones that I've kind of seen so far are the D three Go puzzle quest teams and they're just kinda like they look like generic soccer jerseys that they got and then slapped the logo on there. So, uh, come on, people. Well, I mean, that's kind of what the brief pictures I saw of. I mean, it could be better, but we'll. I'm curious to see which team has the best uniform. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's. There should definitely be a award for best best uniform. Oh yeah, I'm sure we should be like, all right, chat, vote. <laughs> and then it's just like spam. <laughs> yeah, but this definitely adds an extra layer that I think. I mean, the last BT was great, anyways. Now the fun, the interesting thing is going to be happening is what happens when uh, two people from the same team play each other on camera. Interesting, yeah. 
and whether or not Wizards will be like, you know what, no, let's try to make it so that people on the same team don't play each other. On camera, at least. Um, or or even just, like, ever. Like, do you think that, like, I don't, it doesn't add anything if you have, like, PV play against Yolars? Well, Larson, the real question... Except for the fact that they're both yeah, great Yeah, the real players. question will be is, can uh, the uh, reporter software handle that kind of... Team juggling. It probably no, can't. Exactly. It yeah, probably exactly. can't. That's definitely something they need to that, that's another thing that needs to get re upped that we we're not gonna like people don't want to hear about were updates. So let me tell you that right now. People don't want to hear about were updates. So, you know if were can get better, it should That's wizard that's and a wizard event reporter, by the way, for it's W E W E R when you're saying yeah, were. And if you ever go to an event, it that's what's usually running your Oh, event, so. I remember my very first Grand Prix was in 2014 at Grand Prix San Antonio, they were trying to test out, I guess they were trying to use a new build and a new version of it, and it crashed after, like, it kept crashing between rounds. We would have, like, an hour and 20 minutes between some rounds because it wasn't cooperating and populating properly, and, like, after round five, like, you know, we're just switching back to the old system. And after that, it went smoothly, but it's still... There's so much more things they can do with that that that's a whole yeah. other topic for a whole other day. But... Yeah, I told you guys what happened when I was at GP Atlanta with Were, which was another. Oh, because uh, another, another it was weird with the whole drop and yeah. Just as a quick recap, uh, round fifteen got delayed at at GP Atlanta because uh, there was a pot of drafters where two people, player A and player B, played each other, uh, and then all the other six members of their pod dropped and were crashed because it wouldn't just give those two people buys. Yeah, because it when you're when you're paired, like, when you're I paired have to in a pair pod. You. You can't play the same player twice, but with every other player yeah. out of the pod, it kept trying to pair up the same players and kept erroring. I was like, nope, can't do it. Nope, can't do it. And then it just basically... And this isn't even like at the top table. This was like down the table. Yeah, this was like people who decided to drop and take like their little voucher for going to... I'm just going to go get a free draft kind of thing. It's like, eh, I'm out. Yeah. So it's... Well, it's... Uh, I'm looking forward to the Pro Tour. I am incredibly curious to see what comes out of it in terms of what the metagame is going to look like. Obviously, we saw what happened at Pro Tour Kaladesh. Uh, Grixis Control won. <laughs> and he was just like... Man, we never saw well, it again. Remember, he even said that, don't build it. <laughs> this is literally a metagame deck for this entire tournament. That's it. And he built it overnight. Yeah. yeah show doesn't show matter. Show does insane. Jeez. But yeah, like don't do it but we kind of saw the roots of our current jeskai sahili decks in the jeskai control decks that made the top finals there it's just they didn't have the combo yet uh torrential torrential yeah. gear hulk heck of a card i'm actually looking to yeah we were just talking with john about this before the podcast like we just kind of talk a little bit about where we want to see our own standard decks go a little bit right before we close it out today but i had teamer energy or had red green energy pummeler and dynavolt with it was the more of the thermovolt burn. Um, I'm switching the thermovolt burn into more of the red blue X potentially uh, kind of control deck, and I've considered moving my pummeler deck into the more mid range version. Uh, I've talked to a couple people about pummeler, and obviously before I was ta- we were talking like oh it's a cool kind of infected combo, but more often than not you're sideboarding out your pummelers these days. They're just the weakest card in the deck. Which is funny because it's also the yeah, most Pummeler explosive card. Pummeler is very weak to a lot of removal. And it also does not do any favors against the Lilianas. Remember. And other minus one, minus one remember effects. Remember that shock exists in the format now. Yeah. 
as on top of galvanic bombardment and other kinds of there's so many one mana i can kill your pummeler card like fatal push you could dump everything into your thing the opponent just goes fatal push i mean obviously we'll have to sack i mean something. it has to have revolt but well, still. i mean those decks that are going to be doing it probably have some way to trigger a revolt that they want but of course yeah, the fact that you can just easily have your thing fatal pushed and no amount of energy pump will save you. So. It, it is a little uh, sad. I, um, I'm looking to put that more towards a teamer thing. But also, the uh, you mentioned there was like a teamer tower, which is the teamer Dynavolt tower build. I've been looking. Yeah, there's like blue, red, splashing green for Dynavolt tower. Looking, it, it, the only creatures it plays are um, turn to gear hulks. And then it just does weird stuff like that. Uh, I've been look, also looking more at potential Grixis builds. Um, unlicensed Disintegration is a heck of a card, man. It kills everything yeah. indiscriminately. Yep. But that's what kind of things I'm looking at. Plus, it's, it, it feels good on gear, Flash, Gear Hulk, Target, Disintegration. Get the extra three damage in off the fact that you mm. have a artifact in play now. Yeah. It feels good, man. But... So, John, oh, what yes. are you looking at for yourself? Like, what what do you like personally for the format? I mean, I like my I like the Pummeler deck. I agree that it's kind of a little weaker now. I'm debating kind of just retiring that deck or trying to move it more towards the red-green mid-range or the Teamer Energy decks that I'm seeing floating around. Um, there was one Teamer Energy deck that was more mid-range that I saw on one of the 5-0 League decks, and it was playing, like, Rogue Refiners and whatnot to get energy uh, it's still, that deck actually still had pummelers, surprisingly huh. enough. Um, oh, Lathen, but it also Lathen had Hellion, uh, heck of a card. Lathen Hellion is a, is is one heck of a magic card. Uh, it also had like Chandra Flamecaller on the board, which was an interesting choice. Um, so I'm curious to see how it's gonna how it's gonna pan out. Yeah, uh, I've also seen it running usually two of Arlen Cord. Yeah, Arlen Cord is great. Arlen Cord does a great job of making your threats. A little bigger and a little hard and a little harder to kill and hit a little harder. Yeah. But oh well, we'll see how it goes. I was the one. I wasn't the one who played a standard GP this past weekend. <laughs> that was my friends. <laughs> yeah, but learn lessons from them. Uh, oh, they they did terribly. They both went one and four. Ooh. Whereas I got ninth and I got and I went three and two. Nice. So it's one of those things where I'm incredibly curious to see where the metagame shakes out. Remember, we do have uh, the ban window that opens up five weeks uh from this week this weekend so next week will be week one of that ban uh, potential ban window so if the copycat decks do overpower the format we have an outlet for it but green black is insane especially with counters because like i mentioned my draft deck earlier i splashed black for winding constrictor the card is bananas i was drafting on monday and i pack one pink pick one yeah out of a week pack like i told john like a game I played today, my last, one of my last ones, I went turn three Constrictor because I didn't have my black man on turn two. I played turn three Constrictor, turn four, I forget the name of it, it's like Pima something. It's a three three for three and a green. Then when it enters the battlefield, you get two energy, and then you can pay two energy when it attacks to put a servo in the battlefield. It's one of that. Oh, the Ether Yeah, herder. the Ether Herder. It's like that cycle of like pay two, get a servo kind of guy. I played that one on turn four, and then turn five into the Ridgegale Tusker, which is the Pangolin that's the five five for five that puts a counter on everything else which made everything else have two counters because of the constrictor and then i swung for nine yeah that was one of the cards i was hoping to open this weekend and i didn't oh, man tusker is tusker's a dumb magic it's card. hilarious magic card but 
uh, we had two pods of uh, six at uh, Limited this past weekend, or on Monday. And uh, I opened the Constrictor and didn't see a single Tusker. And then somebody in the other pod opened two. You gross. But, yeah. Yeah, so Limited should be fun. Um, I'm kind of curious to see some of the crazy decks that the pros draft. Because, you know, they always have some spicy, uh, like, this is my favorite kind of deck archetype. I'm not sure if, like, the three to four color decks are still viable, like they were in Triple Kaladesh. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you can definitely do a lot of color fixing with stuff like Renegade Map. However, there are very aggressive cards in this format, like Aether. Um, it's uh, Aether Chaser, the two in a red, one, the one in a red, two one with first strike. That card's really yep. good. And uh, Welder Automaton, as Limited Resources talked about this past week, is definitely the best of the automaton cycle because every time I've seen it resolved against me or every time I've cast it, it's just been great because it either dies immediately, which is fine. It's a two-mana two-one. I'm, I'm okay if, with it dying. Or you pay four mana and just start whittling the opponent's life total yep. down. It's definitely a great mana sink in the late game, and pikers are never a bad thing to have. Yeah, and uh, Kaladesh didn't have a lot of um, mana sinks, no. but... Aethervolt yeah, I, I've definitely noticed people saying like the more three color decks they go, it's they those have a harder time. Like I, I was literally solid green white with the only black card in my deck being, uh, Winding Constrictor, and I played two swamps and I had I lucked out into an Aether Hub, so yeah. it was just one thing. I'm like, all right, three black sources, fine for one for one black mana pip my deck. Um, just okay. be wary. So, Pro Tour this weekend. A lot of stuff coming up with Magic Online this year. Maybe we'll learn stuff soon on Magic Digital next. Who knows? But I'm not holding nah, my breath. Me neither. But fingers crossed. Yep. So, so PG is going to be exciting, and we'll be back next week to break down everything that happens there. Yeah. All right. So, Ian, if people wanted to find you on social media, where would they do so? All right. So on Twitter, normally it's like, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, blah blah. blah. But uh, I kind of locked my Twitter down lately due to stuff going on in the world less said the better on that one uh if you do want to world's if you do want to follow uh please do feel free to submit a friend request i'm just kind of using it to or a follow request i'm just screening who follows me nowadays um for reasons work uh stuff kind of thing but follow me at dixon ij d-i-x-o-n-i-j uh you can also find me on twitch at twitch.tv slash dix d-i-x you'll see me in magic chat at the Pro Tour this weekend, uh, I'll be moderating. And just if you guys say hi, say hey. I'll say hi back. Have fun. John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. I'm also on Twitch by the same handle. You probably won't see me in Magic Twitch chat because I find PT chat to be unbearable. You know, that's perfectly fine. I know some people who are like, I'll watch and I'll never open the chat. And to be quite fair, it is daunting at times uh, to be in that chat some People are feisty, to say the least. That's a good way to put it. Feisty. Um, we'll definitely be getting some rules clarifications in terms of how to rope in uh, chatters, but overall, it'll be fun. I mean, bottom line is just just be excellent to everybody. It doesn't matter where you are or whether you're interacting on the internet or in real life. Just just be excellent to everybody. Be kind. Rewind. Yep. I mean... I was waiting for you to rhyme with rewind. No, okay. it's... Uh, if you want... <laughs> If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or you can shoot us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. Please give us your feedback. We would love to hear how we can help improve the podcast to better serve you, our listeners. Uh, for Ian, this is John. 
Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time.